The Seattle Storm have added Poti Chapman to their front office brain trust. We're going to talk about why. There are a lot of good reasons for it. And along with WNBA Finals and the path of the Seattle Storm ahead, Locked On Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi there, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal. I want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. Over 100,000 of you listened to us last month alone. Just to see the growth of this show over 2023 alone has been incredible. Thank you for showing up with us the way we show up for you six days a week. Of course, it is not just me. It is our entire team over at The Next. We had more than 1.3 million readers in September alone. I mean, it, the the audience for women's basketball, as we knew, is there. It is growing. And over 100 reported pieces for all of you who did so. Make sure you sign it up. Sign up for our free list. You'll see what we have to offer. $9 a month, $72 a year. We will, of course, be at the finals the way we've been in every WNBA market all year, providing the coverage necessary. And we are ramping up with college. So that is just around the corner, too. There is no off season. And somebody who knows that as well as anyone is Pokey Chapman. And if you'll forgive a brief bit of personal privilege here, um, I've had the honor of covering Pokey for a long time in Chicago, in Indiana. If you wonder why, why, and Pokey, forgive me for this, but I have to, why we are talking about you in another front office, I'm going to give you some reasons. Okay, and it's Courtney Vandersloot, Carolyn Swords, Shea Petty, 23rd overall, Elena Deladon, Jamira Faulkner in the third round. We did do a whole separate show. Jamira would have, would have been had she stayed healthy. Uh, Cheyenne Parker, Benajah Laney mm-hmm. in the second round. Might have, might have heard a little bit about Benajah lately. Erica McCall in the second round. Kelsey Mitchell, Tara McCallum. The list goes on and on. Pokey Chapman knows talent, and so the fact that she is not just assistant coach in Seattle, but is working in the front office comes as no surprise to me. We're going to get into a lot of that path, but Pokey, first just take me through what it means to you to be back in a position to be able to be evaluating talent and, you know, doing something that you do as well as anybody I know. First of all, I appreciate all the kind words and and actually going down memory lane with some of those players. Uh, But to your question, you know, and that's the beauty of being in Seattle. Like we were all always involved. It's just that I've stepped up a a notch or two uh, a little early on in the process. And, you know, Talisa, our general manager and Alicia, our president, they're also collaborative along with Noel. So this is just you know, really moving me up a little bit just early on into the process. And I'm excited about it because I get an opportunity to to double impact. You know, I get to evaluate them, get to try to bring them into the fold and also develop them. So uh, I hadn't done that in a few years and to do it with an organization that, you know, even when I played against Seattle, 
you know, you always felt like, man, this is a place you want to be, uh, mm-hmm. even as an opponent, because the fan base and they're so educated and how they're front runners and so much. So I say all that to say I'm, I'm actually honored to be a part of what they're doing, but also alongside Noel Quinn. You know, uh, I have a lot of history with Noel Quinn. So we just briefly lost connection, but just right before that, you were talking about being able to coach Noel Quinn and take me through what that experience was like. You know, it's interesting because we we all talk about those of us that are close in proximity with Noel, played with Noel, been coached by her. Uh, we, we know she has this beautiful basketball mind. And I can remember when she called me about joining her staff, she had kept notebooks from when she played for me in Russia, you know, and she's just always been a student of the game. And I say all that to say I was excited to go have this young coach who had this old soul and this beautiful mind and to watch her because what a lot of people don't know is that she had been running that offense way before she stepped into the big chair. Uh, so it was just a natural progression for her, maybe a, a surprise or a big moment for everyone else. It was just so easy for Noelle. So that part is what's fun to me because she's such an innovative mind. And I think sometimes people don't think about it. I think about Jewel Lloyd's ability to lead the league in scoring mm-hmm. when everyone in the world knew she was going to get a shot. But Noelle could could trick it to where uh, she was coming off of so many different actions that she was able to get her open. I think that gets lost sometimes, mm-hmm. but it didn't get lost on me. And that made it um, a great step for me to join her staff. I mean, it's worth noting, and we'll obviously get deeper into the weeds of it, but just sort of the easiest way to look at it for me is true shooting percentage. And the fact that you go from 2022 to 2023, obviously a fundamentally different team. And suddenly you don't have the gravity of Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird on the court. True shooting percentage for Jewel Lloyd this year was 52.5%. It was 526 in 2022. So being able to not even miss a beat while the volume goes up so tremendously is a remarkable thing. And I, I guess, and this is sort of a bigger picture question for me through the years covering the lead. I have seen teams, I think, get impatient too fast and make changes and not try and figure out how to stay the path. And I think you miss out as a team. I think you miss out on the opportunity that sometimes this takes longer, sometimes it takes a different process, but this team that, uh, you know, they're essentially bringing reinforcements here as, as you try and figure it all out collaboratively, like you said, is a significant thing. And so when you think about sort of the arc of this team, right. And, you know, for our listeners, obviously, you know, Brianna Stewart leaving, Sue Bird retiring, that resets a lot of things for any franchise that's going through that. Do you see this as what, like, the first year of a three-year process, you know, like what is, what does that process arc look like in your mind as you think about the build? Because it covered, it ain't there, as we know, as we know from Ezzy, as we know from Jewel, but you know, it's a process, right? It is. Uh, I I wouldn't put three years on it. And Mm -hmm. I say that as a compliment to the players that were able to increase their, their usage in a positive and efficient manner also garnered defensive, you know, all defensive team and all WNBA team, but also younger players and rookies that despite the lack of wins, there were some wins that's going to help the roster. So when we bring in other pieces, uh, they're not new to the game. They've got some meaningful minutes under the lights and that helps. So you're not going to be learning those tough lessons under the lights in year two for like a Jordan Horston 
and 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 also, you know, you you want to leave the message that when someone played you, that damn, we gotta we gotta be ready, regardless of what Seattle has. Uh, the lack of wins this year, it's going to be a battle. They're going to be prepared. There's mm-hmm. always an opportunity, and so that's an attraction to people you want to bring into the fold as well. And I think if you think about it in that manner, I don't look at it as a three-year build. You know, I look at it as as let's get this thing started next year and gain some momentum because there's always the changes that we know about, but then there's always something that you don't anticipate uh, that can be a positive thing uh, for us as a franchise. Who was that? Who was the anticip- the unanticipated biggest positive for you this year? I mean, I look at somebody like, like a Dulcie fan from Mengiadu and she just managed from from the jump to be a net positive for you guys. I mean, uh, I, I've been a Jordan Horston uh, aficionado for a long time. So that didn't come as much as a surprise, but that adjustment came right away, especially on the defensive end, which you know is the biggest lift in year one for a player. You know, what was it for you? You started with two and in no, no special order, but I'll even go deeper. Uh, you think about Jordan being available at nine, first of all. You know, we thought we were being punked like this is not real life. But then also the numbers were great. She makes all rookie team, but it was her ability ability to play both sides of the basketball at multiple positions, you know. And then what came later on was that we had a guarding point guard. So you always think about that four player who can or three player, a small four that can guard threes, fours. She's guarding Asia. She's guarding Jordan Canada. She's guarding. And that's the growth process because that takes so much here to understand schemes and rotations and X and out and all of that good stuff. So that was amazing for me. And then I, I think one we don't really talk about is, yes, people expected Ezzy to uh, have this trajectory. But for me, she became a threat beyond the arc. Mm-hmm. She became a threat in transition with the basketball. So with those specific aspects of their play that will allow Noel uh, to go out and do different things, but also uh, bring different players into the fold that can net us some positive, some positive results. Yeah, no, it's fascinating to see. And so we're going to dive deeper into that in segment two. But first, I want to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, which is Ibotta. And the thing about Ibotta, the thing I love about it is you're going to be making certain purchases anyway, right? The weather turns cooler and you're going to be buying your winter clothes. The holidays are coming up and you got presents to get. Um, you know, maybe you're entertaining, uh, watching the WNBA finals. You can get pizza, wins, you know, whatever you're going to be buying. Anyway, if you get it through Ibotta, they give you cash back on hundreds of items, groceries, personal care, anything you get in the pantry, no matter what you're purchasing, buying it anyway, you'll link your loyalty account and then you get your cash back. The average Ibotta user earns $100 a year. So download the Ibotta app, that's I-B-O-T-T-A, and use the code LOCKED to start earning real cash back. Again, go to the App Store, Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app and use the code L-O-C-K-E-D, that's Ibotta in the Google Play or App Store using the code LOCKED. So speaking of shopping, you guys have the opportunity ahead of a draft that I won't get to it, but it's going to be fascinating. No matter who stays, who goes, it's going to be a fascinating draft. And you first have 
free agency ahead of you. And I guess as you look at, and there's sort of two parts to it, right? Number one is you bought your biggest ticket item before the season ended by bringing Jewel back. How how much of a relief is that to just, there ain't a lot of franchise players in this league and getting Jewel to stay obviously is a big deal at the start of it. Listen, um, if I told you how much I celebrated that, uh, you probably wouldn't believe me, first of all. But, it, you know, it, it was it was Jules' process of things and watching her growth prior to getting to the end of the season and her uh, extending that and, 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 and extending her contract with us. Uh, she just has this maturity about her. And I always think about, you know, sometimes people forget Jules has played when, you know, the superstars were sitting out, you know, the Olympic years and nothing ever dipped. But all that was growth for her not just on the court, but off the court. And Seattle is like a home to her. And she can speak to the things that are important to players that, um, you know, just from from opportunities to, you know, sponsorship opportunities, the fan base, so many things like that. But also, I think at the end of the day, uh, it got down to to those things, but also knowing Noel Quinn was going to be the leadership of this team. I mean, there's just so much respect from being a teammate in the locker room, an assistant coach that ran the offense to a head coach that understands how to rock when I have the superstars, but she can rock when I have players that are having to go through some of the tough stuff. So signing Jewel was like Merry Christmas to us. So we're, we're excited about that one. To me, and, you know, as someone who's looking at those extensions, right, in the final weekend of the regular season, it was really striking in the following ways, right? Kalia Copper, Benajah Laney, Jewel Lloyd signed, you know, three of the biggest and would have been most pursued stars in free agency. Well, Benajah Laney, we get why she signs in a place where, you know, she is valued, where they're obviously on a trajectory, you know, headed to the WNBA finals as you see it. Kalia Copper was promised some changes. And so there's not a continuity there for a team that made the playoffs. This is a team in Seattle that didn't make the playoffs and it was continuity that kept Jewel Lloyd there. And that to me, is, it speaks volumes about where the franchise is and where the franchise is going to be able to do it. I think for me with Jewel, the fact that you were able to see her go from being, you know, a second, third scorer, depending on the night on teams that were winning to seamlessly make that transition to be the number one is so significant because you already know she can share the load. You already know she can share the load on a championship team. She's done it two times over. Now you get an opportunity to kind of build around her. And so my question for you is when you see Jewel and what she can be, what is necessary to build around her? What are you looking to be doing to maximize what Jewel Lloyd is now here in the next few years? Listen, this is going to be a boring answer. Uh, we need we, we need the bookends. We need the point and we need the post presence, right? And that could come in different ways. So I think that's the bookends. Uh, because of how Noel's going to play and how you can scheme defensively, uh, you can take care of some things in the middle, right? Uh, and and I, I think you start there. And then you're always going to uh, have your eyes open for the best players available for what you need. Sometimes people get lost in the sauce of, oh, this best player, but I don't need that best player because I already have it. So mm -hmm. I think it gets down to best available for what hole you're trying to plug in terms of uh, specific needs. 
And uh, to your point about Jewel, because she is a superstar that even though she gets a volume, she doesn't take away from others. I think that becomes an attraction in free agency. She knows how to win. Uh, she knows the type of players that it takes to win. Uh, and that's going to be so helpful for, for us as we move forward in free agency as well. You also in the draft, and I know we talked about it up top, but this is a team that will have a draft pick. Now, I, I, do you have a superstition heading into a draft lottery? Are there, you know, is there is there a, a rabbit's foot or something like that that you operate with? No, not at all. If I did, I would have to throw it away with, you know, with the way things are now with players. I don't know if I'm going to, they, they don't know if they're going to come out and NIL and, you know, it may be the last minute, the 11th hour when you find out things. So you kind of have to put those things away and just be prepared to go in uh, many directions. Uh, just have it planned out. Uh, the, the thing that we're guaranteed is that we're going to get a quality piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can that can be elevated determining what we do in free agency, you know? Uh, so I'm just excited for that opportunity to get a quality piece that can be part of the future. You know, to me, and again, almost no matter what happens, I guess there's no shortage of people who could opt out and go to 2025, but you're still talking about there's so much depth to me. I, I see this board as a lot deeper than even the last couple of years uh, draft wise. And you guys, Whatever you get, one through four, you're guaranteed at 14 as well. So two of the top 14 players that are in this draft are coming your way. Is that, especially when you combine it with the fact that there are a lot of contracts that are already on the books here in 2024, is that as much a focus as anything else? Or in your mind, do you feel like, you know, look, a big piece has to come out of free agency too in order to get where you need to go? I, I think it needs to come out of free agency first and foremost. Uh, it's difficult to just build through the draft. It takes longer, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but you, you mentioned something like we, we, we know four is going to be quality. And right. I think you mentioned the, that second round pick. And, and sometimes, you know, it, it, it's, it's valuable. It can be valuable to you, but it also can be valuable to someone else. And I'm glad that you start off. I think I, I drafted Benazza 17th. Yeah. I think it was, you know. Uh, so I, 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 am glad that that's the thought process, you know, like those are, Dulcie was drafted 22nd, you know, 21st, 22nd and it's quality pieces. It's just a matter of what fits what you need, you know, the holes that you need to fill for your particular team. So it's going to be a lot of, uh, evaluation of talent and, and going through some mock drafts and figuring out those pieces, but it's going to be fun because we know we're guaranteed some quality there. Listen, Sierra Burdick was a 14th overall pick. Lindsey Allen was a 14th overall pick. The, the year you got Benajah Laney 17th, Natasha Cloud was the 15th overall pick. I mean, there's there are years where, and, and, and it really varies so much by year, um, where the talent pool has these opportunities. And I, I, This just reads to me like one of them. And I, and I just related to that. Your draft board, you know, especially you guys have a third round pick too. We talked about it. you've had success in the third round. How deep does your board run? Because there's so many contingency plans you got to make right now. This has got to be the craziest draft that I can remember when you talked about the combination of depth and that added COVID year option that comes into play. Yeah, third becomes tricky because there's so many pieces. You know, sometimes you're having to plug in a third round pick because you're missing someone from training camp and 
this position gets a look that wouldn't necessarily get a look. So there's so many things. You can't spend a lot of time there, but you have you have your your thoughts. You know, it could be a, a, a draft and stash situation or positional. So it's so many things. I'll tell you what would help if one or two of those players made it known that they're coming out, you know, <laughs> a little bit a little bit before the 48-hour clock starts to tick. That would really help. Uh, but you can't bank on that. So we'll just go through the work and you know, keep moving people around and seeing how it fits uh the pieces fit in our puzzle. And I know you're you're a junkie for this stuff. So I I, cause I see it arenas all the time, right? How many games are you going to need to get to in person? And how important is it to you that you're seeing these players live, not just in games, but in practices as well? Because I know you take sort of a holistic approach to this. Right, right. You know, this is what is so uh, attractive about this new additional position. There's Talisa is a young former basketball player junkie, right? Uh, uh, I'm the old head. Uh, there's Noel, who is probably at someone's training camp right now. Um, <laughs> I won't say who. She's probably at three or four training camps, you know, waiting. And then there's also Ebony Hoffman. So you think about that staff. Then you add in Perry Wong, who has been in the NBA in G League and with the Pels. It makes me exhale because they're junkies. And so you don't feel like it's you're, you're on an island. It's not just Talisa. It's not just Talisa and Pokey. It's all. And because they've all been together so long, uh, they understand what success looks like and what's going to be successful in this league. It is a tremendous help and load. So I think the collaborative piece is that we'll all get there, you know, and we'll, we'll put it in front of Noel to see what, she wants to make the engine run and then Talisa cracks the numbers and, and, and make it work and, 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 uh, you know, God and make it happen, but it'll be fun. It, it's not just, I don't feel like I had that load where I'm at a new franchise with an expansion team that never made the playoffs or a rebuild mm-hmm. that's gone. So immediate relief for me <laughs> with that uh, particular thing in play. And, and the last part of that, and we'll get into segment three about the WNBA finals, but just, you talked about a collaborative. You talked about the number of talented minds there are in this front office. You and I have been around long enough to know this was a lead where until very recently you had to do it all, where you were asked to do so much at the same time. What is just that level of growth in the league doing for the process for front offices that we're just seeing now? We're seeing more and more opportunities which matters in and of itself and could be a whole other podcast, quite frankly, that we're seeing more and more black women in position of leadership. And that could be a podcast all by itself. But on top of that, the fact that this is something that is done, frankly, the way it's been done in the men's league for decades. And how much does that change the lift for you? Listen, it's everything because it doesn't stop once the season starts our free agency is over you know there's europe there's collegiate moves there's talking to coaches there's talking to agents there's talking to the reps that work with certain agents it actually becomes more during the season and people think that you know oh free agency is over but free agency doesn't stop once the season starts because there's going to be a player that's not happy here and the agent's going to call and the fact that you have a multitude of people in place 
taking care of that, it's a different set of lens. It's a different emotional experience. You know, if you're coaching, you're so involved in the four games in seven days, you might miss that call because you're flying or you may have some emotion, emotional hangover from the last win or loss. So it's just good to have a different set of eyes, but also a pecking order of things that can filter the information and get it to the people in a timely manner so we can evaluate it and then make a move. So I, I, I feel like I've died and gone to heaven, you know, having, having so much help and people and knowledge around me. I'm looking forward to working with everyone. It's, it's very exciting. And, and fortunately, you haven't. You are still here. So we're going to talk a little bit about WNBA finals in just a second. But first. So when I think about the WNBA finals and specifically when you think about the WNBA finals, we're talking about a different kind of set of standard bearers. And I, I just, you know, I think there's you're always looking for. How do you build to get to the level of the teams that are there at the top right now? And I, I remember having conversations with you about this in the mid-2010s, where how do you get to Minnesota? How do you get to where L.A. is at that time? The way these teams are built, and, you know, people get mad about the phrase super team. I, I, I don't really understand why they get mad about it. These are super teams. They're not the first super teams. The Houston Comets are the first super team. They're not even – the most recent since the comments, you can go back to Minnesota and see, you know, five Hall of Famers in the starting lineup. But as you kind of build there, do you think there needs to be, uh, let us say, a focus on a starting five that has that much talent, one through five? Is it a question of five two-way players? Is it intimidating to think about, gee, you know, in New York, Ben Isolani's the fifth option? Nigel Laney, I mean, you know, I, and, and and the reason I say it is, is there a difference in how you have to build knowing these are two teams we we may see as matchups for the next few years based on who's locked in and how young they are? Listen, it's a great problem to have, right, Sandy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like, I think, it's great. I think it's great. Uh, uh, it, it, it's you know, super team, whoever wants to coin the term, it doesn't make any, I don't know who's mad about it, uh, but there's different ways of getting there, you yeah. know? And I think you look at these two teams and and how they managed to get to that level. You know, it became a super team when New York got different players. I, I didn't hear the super team prior to, I thought Vegas was pretty damn super yeah. <laughs> prior to that, yeah. you know, but it's a different way, but I, I love it. You know, it's, it's great for the game. It's great players. We're getting more uh, television. It's a different way that they have to approach it. You know, you look at the newness, you, you mentioned Benazi being the fifth option. Yeah. I, I, we're talking about offense, obviously, but she's the first option defensively and mm-hmm. carries them. I, I would lose the form banking. She's the fifth option just because, you know, I'm outsiders see that because it's sexy with the scoring. It's not sexy mm-hmm. with the defense and offensive rebound put back and the mismatch and who you're able to guard when someone else is shooting under their percentage. You know, all those things that that, that doesn't make it on Sports Center. Like she's pretty, she's a pretty valuable piece in that. But her team knows that, and Sandy knows that. Uh, but then you look at you know Vegas. People don't talk about how many games Asia Kelsey. And Jackie played together. 
So they don't have to be necessarily the best at their individual position. They're really good at recognizing schemes and actions and knowing each other. Mm -hmm. And so it's that contrast there uh, that's going to make for a really interesting matchup. Uh, and I think it's why Vegas has been able to, you know, I remember when Becky wasn't playing a lot of people, everyone was like, can they maintain that? Well, yeah, they can, and they have, uh, and it works for them, you know, and I think there's times, you know, New York had their struggles early on when they were trying to figure things out, um, and we weren't saying super team anymore, but it, it's it's a difference, you know, uh, and so I think that's what's so unique about this matchup. It's going to be fun for everyone to tune in. The MVPs, the All-Stars, the number one draft pick. So it's exciting times for our game. So I hope it goes to five games and triple overtime every game. That would be fine by me, even though it's an extra trip out to Vegas for me. I would happily sign up for it. I mean, listen, we, you know, even Alicia Clark coming off the bench for the Aces. I mean, it's it's an absurd embarrassment of riches for both of these teams. And, and yes, I wrote about Benizer the other day. You know, they they don't make it there. Without Stewie, they don't make it there without JJ. They also don't make it there without Benajelani, and 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 she saw it first. She bought in in 2021 in a way that sort of set the tone for everything that's come after. So it's been as we she did, you know, and a Vivian Stringer player once again. Exactly, tough longevity, dirt work, blue collar. And she's improved every aspect of her game. You know, corner threes get you paid. That's what Noel would always say. And it's like, I'm shocked when Benajia misses a corner three. Yeah. You know, but look, they're they're a great team. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to to watching the matchup. I just wish I didn't have to wait until Sunday. I agree with that, too. I agree with that as well. It is going to be fascinating. And again, Pody Chapman, it is delightful to chat with you. Always very excited to see what's ahead in Seattle, and uh, it won't be too long before we're talking about your team back in the finals again. Uh, so I appreciate your time to our listeners. Thank you, as always, for making us part of your day. Again, over 100,000 of you showing up in September. I can't tell you what that means to all of us, and we will keep at it. We will be back with you tomorrow, all week, live from every arena, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and then, obviously, we are well on our way to college season, just a couple weeks away. Pokey, I'll be seeing you at those arenas, too. Until then, I am Howard Megdahl, wishing all of you a wonderful Tuesday. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball.